You are listening to the India in Focus podcast, jointly brought to you by the Lakshmi Mittal and Family South Asia Institute at Harvard University and the Times of India. Hello, my name is Alex Gilliard, and welcome to this episode of the India in Focus podcast, brought to you by the Mittal Institute at Harvard University and the Times of India. Today, we're joined by Dominic Mao, a lecturer in molecular and cellular biology at Harvard University. He's founded and run the Program for Scientifically Inspired Leadership in Manipur, India for the past two iterations, which seeks to establish a cross-cultural learning platform and make it accessible to students in underprivileged regions. Dominic, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. So, can you tell us more about the Program for Scientifically Inspired Leadership? So, the Program for Scientifically Inspired Leadership, or PSIL, is an education outreach program where the teaching team executes a curriculum that is based on the scientific process. And by that, I mean observations, hypothesis, questions, testing, evidence, all, all, all of that, all the way to communicating your results, your findings, or presentation. So what PSIL does is it brings together three groups of people, individuals, the Harvard undergraduates, uh, high school students in Manipur, and college students uh, in Manipur that are interested in teaching. So the Harvard undergraduates, in close collaboration with the college students in Manipur, develop and deliver a curriculum that is rooted in the scientific process, but also emphasizes the liberal arts philosophy that Harvard is known for. So what led you to focus on working with the high school students of Manipur? Um, so I have um, a rather weird background. I'm, uh, my folks are Chinese, uh, but I was born and raised in Manipur. I lived 16 years of my life there. Um, so I received my early education there, and um, I know for a fact that it is the, the region is an under, under-resourced part of India. So having gone through the early education system over there, and now that I'm a teacher, I am able to identify certain areas for improvement in the education space. Right? And um, when I started teaching at Harvard, I started thinking about this. I was communicating with my network back home to see if which things have changed, which, which things have improved, which have uh, worsened. And I was able to get all this information remotely. Um, operationally, I can function there with relative ease because I have this extensive network of professionals having lived there for 16 years. And there's this interesting little tidbit that um, at our meeting um, of the Harvard team with the chief minister of Manipur, it was surprising to see that he still remembered the only Chinese Mao family from, from Manipur, uh, which was my family. So um, PSIL works not just with high school students, uh, but also college students. So like I said, these are um, the other um, group of individuals that we are targeting. And this time around, uh, PSIL 2020, we also targeted parents. So um, there was a session with parents because, you see, when you talk about the education space, uh, you have to talk about all the stakeholders, and parents form a, a huge part of, of that space. Okay. Um, so what role do you think cross-cultural mentorship can play in helping the students of Manipur? In general, cross-cultural mentorship, it exposes students to diversity in every sense, and this is great at dispelling preconceived notions about people, places, and cultures. 
So let me give you a few examples. So some participants, uh, these are the high school students, they told me how they found the Harvard students to be great role models. The reason being, Harvard students are only a few years older than these participants. So these are grade 9 and 11 students that are eligible to apply for PSIL. So the Harvard students are only a few years older. And these participants told me that these Harvard students have traveled all the way to teach them. And in doing so, they have helped them dispel some myths that, you know, to be successful in life, one needs to focus only on one study. So these are some of the prevailing myths locally, that if you want to succeed, you have to just stick with your books and, you, you know, you should not waste time on extracurriculars, for example. That's another big thing that, that goes around. But then, you know, the, the Harvard team with their diverse range of interests, both inside and outside the classroom, uh, really emphasize to the local students there how important it is to be well-rounded, right? So um, on, on the other hand, the Harvard team commented on how resourceful the, the students from Manipur were and how they, they never complained about anything, which is, which is not a trivial point at all, right? Yeah. Uh, so during this iteration, what were the biggest takeaways from your experience leading the program in Manipur? So... Um, this was an assumption going in, but now that we have done two rounds of this, we know for a fact that when you bring groups of students together, they will learn from each other and they will inspire each other. So that was one, one big uh, takeaway message. Um, one thing that we did not foresee um, or anticipate was this repel effect of our efforts. So, for example, there was this uh, non-profit. They don't have non-profit status yet, but uh, in philosophy, they are a non-profit, this group called Mitzna, um, they kick-started into action after hearing about PSIL from the TV interview that I did back in January 2019. And these are a, a group of students who lead education efforts in the state. Um, they make educational videos, uh, some of their videos. Uh, I think their videos collectively have about 8 million views last time I checked. Mm -hmm. They do info sessions, you know, so um, the this they they invited me to do a talk with them and um i was very surprised when i learned that they got into action after hearing you know the interview and um essentially you never know what other effects you have what whatever efforts you put in there will there will be these ripple effects of those efforts um and then of course students are the same everywhere um whether it is you know highly resourced places like Harvard or under-resourced places like Manipur, the students are the same. They're very curious, they're eager to learn, and they're, they're full of energy. Yeah. So um, one question that I had as you're speaking about this is um, the students that you were working with in Manipur this iteration, were any of them the same as the last time? No. So uh, we want to maximize the, the number of students that we are um, are able to reach, and so the students are the participants are allowed to participate only once, right? It's also a logistical thing. I mean, the tenth and the twelfth grades, there are these huge um, state exams that everybody just stays at home and studies for. So that that's the reason why we have only ninth and eleventh grade students that are. Um, 
able to participate because we don't want to distract the 10th and 12th grade students from their exams. We had one participant from last year that we brought on this time um, on the staff. So she was able to experience both sides of PSIL. Cool. Uh, so then from what you've observed through the program, what institu institutional changes do you feel are necessary to improve or change the education system in India? Right. Um, so currently there's still a huge focus on exams. Mm -hmm. Families pay a ton of money for private, what, what they call private tuitions. So this is tutoring out, outside of uh, your school hours. So it's basically just tons and tons of class time, um, which is focused on scoring well in exams. So that needs to be evaluated because the value of those exams, how well do they evaluate students, things like that. Uh, then there is this trifurcation of three, three streams, the sciences, arts, and commerce. And this happens right after 10th grade. That needs to be seriously evaluated. Um, for example, I, I've always loved poetry, but it was not possible for me to explore it um, as a student because I was a science student, right? Um, the same for history, right? So once you're dedicated to a stream, and 10th grade, you're talking about somebody who's 15 or 16, That's right? Wrong. Yeah, you, you, you cannot do anything else, right? So you are dedicated to that stream. Somebody who picks arts, for example, can never become a doctor, right? Wow. So a decision you make when you're 15, it's, it's just not fair, right? Um, it's not practical. Um, I think there should be more focus on active application-based learning, all of these transferable skills, group learning. Most of the students that um, we have uh, taught so far, which is over close to 200, so about 150, um, not a single student said that they have done group work before. Yeah. Right, so group work was a new concept for them. Um, and it makes sense because if the schools are so focused on preparing the students for the exams, they don't have time for anything else, right? Um, of course, my message to the students, the schools would be not to wait for the system to change, right? They need to prepare the students for, certainly for the impending exams, but they should also bear the responsibility of preparing the students for life, right? Um, so they need to equip them with transferable skills, uh, which the exams don't necessarily do. Right. And so that's what a lot of these courses that the Harvard students, your team creates, right? A very diverse set of topics that right. they bring to the classroom. That's right. That's right. We focus not on the science content, but we focus on the critical thinking skills. We focus on all of the soft skills, what people mm -hmm. call soft skills. Yeah. So how do you envision the program can be implemented in other areas throughout India? So while developing the curriculum and the program itself, we actively made sure that we do not require a whole lot of stuff to run the program. So for the past two years, we needed only a, a classroom for every Harvard teacher's lab, right? So, um, you know, every Harvard teacher will get about 15 uh, students. And so a space to, to hold their section and an auditorium with a projector where everybody gets together and the Harvard teachers are able to deliver their specific topic uh, modules. And push comes to the shove, we could even do away with the projector. Of course, projectors are easy to acquire and they do make things easier. Um, so, you know, for one of the lab exercises on nurturing discovery, we gave each student a full scope, which is this paper microscope that has a 
resolving power of two microns, right? And it costs less than than two dollars. So when when we developed the program and the curriculum, we were very mindful of um, it being able to scale up easily and it also being able to be appropriated by any school or any institution that wants to run the program. Right. So that said, all you need to run the program is a group of enthusiastic people, mm -hmm. and it can be done. So we welcome anybody to uh, reach out to us, and we'll, we'll be happy to share the curriculum. We'll be happy to share all the resources that we have. Um, in terms of us expanding, there are, you know, we've done two rounds of PSIL, and the second one was, um, it had significant improvements compared to the first one. So although there's more room for tweaking, at this point, I think we have a pretty good model um, of operating. If we had to expand, we can we can go in many different directions. We could expand in terms of multiple sites. Um, and I am speaking with the, the Telangana government at, at the moment for uh, the state to be a potential site. And um, the other way to expand would be to increase the duration. So now we have four to five days in January, but we could think about an eight-week program in the summer or something like that. Yeah. So what what did you change between the first iteration and the second? Anything significant? Um, operationally, yes. Um, we made the second iteration a residential program. So the first time around, we only had 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. every day. So for the for the second, what what we found um, that structure um, was it, we found it to be pretty limiting because we get the students only for that short duration. We are not able to do much. So we made it into a residential program. So the Harvard students and the participants we all lived in the same campus, and we were able to go from eight a.m. to nine p.m. Right. So we were able to do a whole lot. The students could really dive deep into their group work. So last year we would give this group exercises, but then they would just they would depart for their, their homes at the end of the day. So uh, by making it a residential program, we were really able to make the curriculum more rigorous. We were able to do more things with the students. And one thing that we couldn't do the first time round that we did the second time round was to give the students the opportunity for multiple iterations of a particular thing. So that's what we heard a lot of the um, students that participated in the first round tell us, they said, by the time we got what we were supposed to do, it already ended. And so they had a lot of heartburn. They said, oh, if we could do this again, then they would really participate. And so this time around, we could see um, whenever we repeated certain things, then you get more and more participation right. from students. Yeah. Uh, so then what do you see as the future of the program moving forward? I would hope for the schools to incorporate something similar, right? Um, it doesn't need to be called PSIL. It can be a complementary program. So they need to focus on their state boards or whatever. They can do that, but also offer students this one thing on the side, whether, whether it be incorporated in the classroom or not. Um, but I do want the program to be, the, uh, our program, PSIL, um, to be supported by um, state governments, for example, because buying from the authorities is very critical for scaling up in the truest sense.
So what other initiatives are you currently working on? Um, this takes up a lot of my time. So, um, th I mean, I do have to say that I am really lucky to have a position um, at Harvard where I can teach Harvard students. Uh, that's my primary task, advising and teaching Harvard students. And then in my free time, I'm allowed to develop and I'm even, you know, I have to write some grants, but then I'm obviously I've been given the seed grants to, to run a side project. Um, but in in the process, what I've realized is there is a need for an entire mentoring network, which I'm kind of working towards. So, for example, all the teaching staff that we have uh, on the India side, so mentoring them for whatever they might need. I'm able to do that, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm not able to answer emails from, you know, people in Manipur that I, I won't have time to do that, right? So what I do is I pass information on to, let's say, applying to grad schools. So I passed on that information to my teaching team, and then they become the point people for dispersing that information. So mm -hmm. if people emailed me instead of, you know, just ignoring the email because I just don't have the time, I can just forward that email to my team and they can pass it on. So um, it would be nice to have a, a good network that is self-sustaining of individuals that come forward and they, they have been helped by some mentor and they just want to pay it forward. So that is something in the works, but mostly in my mind. <laughs> Well, it sounds like it's becoming like a very large network over there, which is great. Um, but thank you so much. Uh, it sounds like a fantastic program, and we're so excited to see the third iteration of it. Thanks for speaking with us. Thank you, Alex. Thank you for tuning in. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud, and check out past episodes by visiting our show page at mithalsouthasiainstitute.harvard.edu slash India in Focus podcast. Until next time.